Okay, so I do believe that we're going to cover a lot of content tonight. Now, let's go over and we're going to review, this is uh, scriptural prayer, we're going to review the types of prayer that we see laid out for us in scripture. And those are uh, primarily the following nine. We see the prayer of faith, the prayer of consecration, the prayer of commitment, the prayer of worship, the prayer of agreement, prayer in the spirit, united prayer, the prayer of supplication, and intercessory prayer. Now, that should be reviewed because we've gone over this before. And then the last time we met, we talked about praying in the Spirit. And tonight, for this first class, we are going to cover the prayer of faith, which many of you are familiar with, but it's still good for us to go over it again. And so that's the prayer of faith that we'll cover tonight. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. And we are studying tonight prayer of faith. It starts this way. And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you shall not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, it shall happen. And all things you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Now go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. And actually, we can say, I'll start at 25. And Jesus answered, saying to them, have faith in God. And we know, as we study that out, it means to have the God kind of faith. And then he goes on to tell what the God kind of faith is. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they shall be granted you. The prayer of faith is a prayer to change things, and it never contains the word if. Like, if it's your will, God, then I ask you to do this. The prayer of faith never contains the word if. The prayer of faith is based on God's will, and we know his will by his word. It lines up with Scripture, and when you're lining up with Scripture, then you know you're praying in accordance with God's will. When you know you're praying in accordance with God's will, we know that He hears us, and we have the petition that we've requested. When we know that we've prayed in accordance with God's will, we don't need to use an if, because we know what His will is. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and read that together. King James says, Faith is now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. New American Standard says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I also like the way the Amplified says it. It says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So, just based on that definition of alone of what faith is, we can see that it's believing it before it sees it, or feels it, or hears it. But faith receives it as being real fact before it's revealed to the senses. And we know there's another scripture that backs this up also, and that's that we walk by faith, not by sight. So that's another scripture that confirms this to us. Now, let's, since you're in Hebrews, let's just go down a little further in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 
6. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, speaking about God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So faith is pleasing to God. If it's pleasing to God, I want it. How about you? I mean, I want to be pleasing to God. So if faith is pleasing to God, then faith is something I want to go after. Because I want to be pleasing to God. So I want to learn more about faith. I want to grow more in faith. Because I want to be pleasing to God. And you know what? Faith gets the job done. Faith gets prayer answered. I like having prayers answered. Don't you? I mean, you know, it's better than not, right? So faith is pleasing to God. I want to go for it. And also note this, that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. So when you come during that week where we're going to be praying in here, I want you to come expecting God to reward you for the time that you're setting aside to be praying. And you can say, well, I'm here. I I have to be here. Well, you do and you don't. You chose to sign up for Bible school, and God will honor your choice. I mean, you chose to do this. You chose to set this time aside. You chose to seek after God. You chose to get diligent. You chose to get serious. You chose to have less TV and more reading. These were your choices. So let's believe. Get into faith right now. Hook up right now and believe that as you're diligently seeking after God in doing what you're doing, that he is going to reward you. Now, part of the rewards are that he blesses your time. When you spend your time seeking after him, that he'll bless the product of your hands, whatever your work is. That he'll bless your heart when you pray, and he'll bless you with answers. Let's get specific, though. So what I want you to do before you come to this time, this week of prayer, I want you to get specific in terms of what are some of your needs, and what are some of your wants, and get specific in asking for them. There is a scripture in the Bible that says, many have not, for they ask not. I certainly don't want to fit in that category. And a lot of times people will say, oh, how can you ask for things for yourself? How can you pray for a parking space? Well, I remember where we used to live, I used to have to pray that the traffic would part in one section just so that we could get across a busy road. And people would think, you know, how can you pray for something like that when there are kids starving in India? Well, you know what? If you pray for the kids starving in India, you can pray for God to part the road. The only reason why it bothers them to pray for anything for themselves is because they're not praying for somebody else. How about that for an answer? Right? Do you understand what I'm saying in that? If you spend time praying for others and to be a blessing to others, then it doesn't hurt your conscience to pray for your own needs to be met. And plus, that's just somebody that doesn't understand what the Word of God says. It says, my God shall supply all your needs. And if crossing the freeway or crossing the road is a need, it's a need. And he'll answer it, right? Is it selfish? No. But if, if all you do is just pray for your own needs, then yes, that is selfish. But if you're praying for others and other things, then it's not selfish. It's just believing God that he's big enough and strong enough and able enough to pray for the starving kids in India and pray to split the traffic so you can get through. And it's never failed me yet. You know, he's a good God. He's a very good God. He's a very good God. So he'll answer you in the little things, and he'll answer you in the big things. And just because there are other needs in the world, it doesn't mean we neglect our own needs. If the little orphans in Africa are bothering you, then pray for them. You you see what I'm saying? Let's keep going then. Now, I want to show you something. Because what we see here is we see God telling us that we can speak to something, and it's a type of prayer. 
Now, he didn't say, oh, God, I pray you'd move the mountain into the sea. That's not what he said to do there. He said, if you speak to it. So speaking to it is a type of prayer. When we know that Jesus is hearing us and is backing up his word when we're doing it in the name of Jesus, it's a type of prayer. So speaking to something is a type of prayer. Do you understand how your words become very, very important? Your words suddenly take on a lot more importance. Because what you're saying, when you really start exercising faith in prayer and faith in speaking, it means you believe what you say is going to come to pass. So you don't want to get real loose with your words. Because what you do is you damage your own faith. People that get real silly with words, real silly all the time, telling jokes. And it's okay to have fun. It's okay to tell jokes. But if they're real sloppy with their words, oh, that just kills me. Oh, that drives me crazy. Oh, I hear people say that, and I cringe on the inside. And I know it's just a little silly saying, but, you know, they really shouldn't say it. And I don't, I, I don't say things like that. And if I catch myself messing up in my words, I repent. God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I repent. And then, not ju- I don't usually just even leave it there, but then I'll speak the positive to replace that. And I'll speak the positive more than I spoke that negative. Because I'm not perfect in my words yet. I'm working. I'm going in that direction. So if I, if I say something negative, I repent. And then I try to say positive things to make up for that. So that I'm sowing positive words and positive things instead of negative. It's very easy to function in the natural and to see things the way they are and then just start talking about them this is going on and that's going on and this just happened and that just happened and then and then then before you realize it just all these negative words have been sown even before I just came out here I was praying about something and God just kind of convicted me it was like words you know you spoke a lot of words about that so it's taking longer for me to reap the benefits of what I've prayed because I spoke negative about it before I really got into faith and prayed about it And so I'm having to really speak to that thing now. Speak to that thing. Okay, why? Words. That's what he said to me. Words. I knew what he meant. I spoke words about that. I spoke negative words about that. So now I'm having to work to really speak positive things so that I get the outcome that I need to have instead of what was happening. It was going a certain direction. And I didn't want it going that direction, but I kept talking about the direction it was going. What was I doing? Sowing negative words. So I had to grab a hold of that situation, repent, and then start speaking, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. Even we went to sell a car recently. It got so frustrating because went to sell it, thought we were supposed to sell it, the top wouldn't go down. The first person went to show it to, it's like, oh, no. So it's like, great. They offered us one price, and then the top wouldn't go down. So then we had to go get the top repaired, and that was $1,000. So I'm thinking, huh. And I'm thinking, uh, getting frustrated. So you have to be careful how you speak. And so finally, I just we had to start speaking. I call it sold. I call that car sold. I call it sold for X amount. It's sold in Jesus' name. Sold in Jesus' name. We had to keep speaking about that thing, speaking to that thing. And then we got it. We got it sold. So sometimes you just have to stick with something. Now, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 3. And the first example we're going to use in this is a person. Because I want you to see that it wasn't just Jesus that did this. But the disciples did this. This is for all believers in the name of Jesus, that speaking to the mountain. Am I being specific enough that you understand what I'm talking about? Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. 
And a certain man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. And Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze upon him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. That's the part I want you to see right there is verse 6, especially. Verse 7, and seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, let's go back to verse 6. Well, let's even go back to verse 5. Expecting to receive something from them. So the man had faith. He may have been expecting money, but he had faith. So he was looking at them with expectation. He believed he was going to get something. So he already was in a place expecting. And then verse 6, But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. What did he have? He had the name of Jesus. And he had the delegated authority on this earth to use the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, there's healing power. And that when you speak something out in the name of Jesus, you speak out healing, God backs you up. And so he spoke out what he had. He had the name of Jesus, and he spoke out the name of Jesus and told the man to rise and walk, or to walk. And the man got up. Now, if you look here in verse 6, Peter didn't stop and say, Oh, God, I pray that you would heal this man. Did he? Did he ask God to heal him in the name of Jesus? Did he? Do we see a model here where he was asking for this to be done? Not in that sense. This type of scripture right here fits more in the category of speaking to something. He spoke to that man. In the name of Jesus, walk. Just like you can speak to the mountain. He's in faith, he spoke to it. And without any doubting, he got the results, right? Okay, so sometimes when you go to pray for somebody, people sometimes don't know how to do that. Oh God, I pray that you would heal them. Well, do we need to do that if Jesus has already done everything that needed to be done? Or you speak healing. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Which is a lot of times while when somebody goes down a healing line, they'll say, in the name, in the name, in the name. What? In the name of Jesus. Or be healed in the name of Jesus. But you don't see them stop in a healing line and say, Father, I ask that you would heal this person in the name of Jesus. Why? Because it's already a type of prayer. It's already a type of prayer. In the name of Jesus, we're speaking these things out. Because he said we could, and that this is a type of prayer. So I want you to see that, that even though you're speaking it, it is still a form of prayer. Now let's look at this. Mark chapter 6. And what do we see here? Now this one is Jesus. But notice the one we just read, that was not Jesus speaking to the person for healing. That was Peter. But he spoke it out in the name of Jesus. Now let's look at what Jesus did. Mark chapter 6. Verse 32. Now I'm going to just tell you a little bit here. So there's been a whole group that has been gathered listening to Jesus, listening to him speak. And in verse 34, Jesus uh, feels compassion on this multitude. And he was teaching them. And it got late. 
and they were in a desolate place. And then verse 36, send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy something, to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. They're talking about these people being hungry because they've been with them for a long time. And the disciples are saying, gee, send them, send them somewhere where they can get something to eat. It's late. And Jesus responds to the disciples and says, you give them something to eat. Now, there's something that I want you to see here. We don't see that the disciples spoke anything out over food. But what we can see is that it was Jesus' will for them to have done that. Jesus wanted them to see and understand the authority that they had on this earth in the, in the, in the name, in the name of Jesus, the authority that they had. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said this. And they said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go look. It's like, in other words, it was never Jesus' thought in this situation for them to go buy food or buy bread. And not only that, it, his, his first instinct wasn't for him to have to do it, but for his disciples to come up and believe that they had the ability, in the name of Jesus, to provide. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And they went and found out, and they said, five and two fish. And he commanded them all to recline by groups on the green grass. And they reclined in companies of hundreds and of fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looked up toward heaven. Now, did he pray? God, my Father, I ask you to do this for me. I ask you to do this for this great multitude. But Jesus took and blessed the food and broke it and kept giving it out. Now, let's go somewhere else because I want you to see something. In John, in John 6, 6, who here is a disciple of Jesus? Yes, John 6, 6. Now, this is the same account written by a different disciple, but it's the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And in verse 5, we see, so John chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread? that these may eat. Now, look at verse 6. And this he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. So what he was trying to do is see what he could get out of the disciples and see where their faith was at. But they were still thinking naturally minded. They were still thinking they needed money to provide. They needed the things of, of this world. And what Jesus was trying to show them is that there was another way, there was a spiritual way to get needs met. And then he went to the disciples and they brought in the loaves and the fish. And then, it, and then he gave thanks, and it was multiplied, and they gathered up leftovers. But he was testing them to see what they believed. Do you see that? He was testing his own disciples. Where are they at? What do they believe? Do they still think we need to go find some supermarket? Or do they believe that, that Je- did they believe that Jesus could provide? Now, we're looking at speaking to something. But anyway, okay, let's go ahead and turn to look at uh, Mark chapter 4. Now, this is Jesus again. But again... I showed you that it wasn't just Jesus speaking to things. Mark chapter 4, verse 37. This is Jesus speaking to the storm, which you're all probably familiar with. Mark chapter 4, verse 37. Okay, so start with verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he had said to them, Let us go over to the other side. So they're crossing a body of water, and leaving the multitude, they took him along with them, just as he was in the boat, and the other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. And he himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, 
Do you not care that we are perishing? And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. Something interesting here. Sometimes you'll hear people say, Well, God caused that hurricane. But if God is the one that is sovereignly in charge of all weather on this earth, then Jesus, in this situation right here, would have been directly going against his father by speaking to the weather. Do you understand that? So what I want to show you by this is that not all weather comes by the hand of God. Earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, storms, it doesn't mean it's God's will. Because otherwise Jesus would have been going against his father's will. But Jesus stood up and spoke to the storm and told the storm what to do. Hush, be still. What was he showing? Now, did he pray? Do we see modeled here that he prayed? God, my father, I pray that you would stop this storm. No, he didn't. Now, he was modeling for us. But he stood up, and he was basically showing us how to pray, how to exercise our authority on this earth. Just like he said in Have the God Kind of Faith, speak to the mountain, and if you're not doubting, but you believe that what you say will come to pass, you shall have whatsoever you say. Okay, so that's what he was doing here. He was speaking to it. And I've heard testimonies of people that have stood and talked to tornadoes, told them to turn, and witnessed them turn. We were coming straight for their house. When we lived in Oklahoma, we had talked to several people, and I talked to a man stood right next to him. He said, I watched it, and he said, I watched it come right down this back row, row of houses, and it was coming directly towards our house, and we stood there, and we spoke to it, and we told it to turn in Jesus' name, and it turned. It didn't go towards their house. Authority. Authority in Jesus' name. Have I told you this story? Maybe I told the last, last group. When I was in Bible school, there was a teacher named Doc Horton, who was a great, te one t wonderful teacher. And he said one time when he was pastoring, he was pastoring in an area where sometimes floods came in. And so he went to go. There had been a big, huge rainstorm, and it, areas had flooded. So he was going to check on the people that were in his congregation afterwards to see how they were all doing and if anybody had any water damage and all that. And so he got up to one of the little old uh, woman's uh, homes that was in his congregation, and he noticed how high the water line was on the outside of her house. And he kind of thought, ugh. And he walked up to the door and knocked on the door, and big smile on her face, she answers the door and invites him in. And, and he says, well, I don't see any water in here. I don't see any damage. And he said, all that stuff, that water, I wasn't going to let that come in here. She said, I stood at my door and I spoke to that water. And I said, you won't come in my house. You won't come in my house. And she said, I saw it rise and I saw it rise. And I saw it go up above. I saw it coming closer and closer and closer. See now, sometimes people would think, oh no, here it comes. So I guess it didn't work. And they'd quit, right? Here it comes. Now it's getting up to the level of the, the base of the door. I know it's all over now. But she stood there and she said, you won't come in my house, water. You won't come in my house. And she stood there and she said, in the name of Jesus, I draw a bloodline around this property. You won't come inside my house in the name of Jesus. She said, I just stood there and I talked to it. And that water, it rose and it rose, but it never came in this house. And he could see the water line outside where everything had been. Not, a, not an evangelist, not a preacher, a little old lady that believed in God and knew that she could speak. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. So this isn't something that just happened in Bible times. This is something that can happen for us now, speaking to things. Now let's go. Let's look at another area. Acts chapter 9, verses 32 to 35. Now it came about that as Peter was traveling through all those parts, he came down 
also to the saints who lived at Lydia. And there he found a certain man named Ananias, who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. And immediately he arose. And all who lived at Lydia and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Again, we see him speaking to it, right? Speaking healing in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the healer. We are not the healer, but we are the one that is. And we've got a right to use his name. He told us to pray in his name, and this is a type of prayer. So he's exercising his authority on this earth in the name of Jesus, speaking to the situation, causing it to change. Why? Because God backs up his words. God's backing him up. Can you see how important your words are? It's not just faith. It's your words, too, because it's speaking to the mountain. Your faith is important, but so is what you say. So is what you say. We were recently, not recently, it was many months ago, uh, but since we've lived in the neighborhood where we are, we were walking around one day and there was another house for sale. And Pastor Brad and I walked through that house. We just thought it would be fun. You know, sometimes it's fun to go and see how they're decorated. So we walked in. And as we're in there, we're thinking about it. We're realizing, you know, it'd be really nice if, uh, the, whoever buys this had somebody our son's age that could play with our son. So as we're, you know, we're walking around the house and we're thinking that. And then as we, as we leave the house, we, we pray it and we claim it. In the name of Jesus, this house is going to sell to a family. And I, we didn't pray for them to be a Christian. It's usually a lot of times I'll pray that the people will be Christian. But I've noticed that just because they're Christian, it doesn't necessarily mean they always play well together. So this time I decided to leave off the Christian part for some reason. And I just asked for a boy around Chad's age that would play well with Chad. And so we prayed for that, that it'd be a family that would buy the house, that would have a boy around Chad's age, close in age. I didn't say exact, but very close in age. They'd play well together. And we then we thanked God for it and went off. And do you know that a family with one boy, their only child, that is one year younger than Chad, bought the house, and they are just wonderful little playmates. And he's already been to the church at least two times, and Chad got him saved. And they're, they're great little buddies playing. I mean, sometimes they'll be at the bottom of Chad's window waiting for Chad to wake up in the morning. Yeah, Chad, Chad. As soon as Chad wakes up, he'll go over to his, his house. You know, they're real close by. Jack, Jack, you up yet? Jack, you up yet? And they can hear each other from the street, you know? And then, oh, yeah. So, you know, a lot of times kids want to go watch cartoons Saturday morning. Not my son. My son is, he doesn't want to eat. He doesn't want to do anything. He just straight out that door. He wants to go play. But we spoke to that. We spoke to that situation in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. It was answered. Isn't God good? We just kept thanking God for it. Father, I thank you. Every time we talk about that house, I thank you, Father. I thank you. Chad's got a friend out of that. In Jesus' name. Okay, so what we've done is we've gone over the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith never contains the word if. If it's your will, God, then do this. If it's, if it's not your will, then don't. That's not the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is a prayer to change things. And it's by knowing God's will, by knowing his word. And when you know his word, you know his will. And you can pray effectively, and you don't need to have an if in it. It's his will to provide all your needs. We know that the scripture says that. So there's a lot of scripture that covers these areas. So we just find scripture, covers the area we need to pray about, and then we pray, knowing his will. Isn't it wonderful that we can know his will? 
he didn't leave us here to be confused or to wonder, but he left us clearly his will in his word. Amen. And so that's the prayer of faith, praying to change things. Prayer petition. Amen.